It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, turn to Genesis, the 50th chapter. Genesis, the 50th chapter. Now, as you're turning there, getting ready, be sure to put your bookmark there because we're going to be looking at a lot of other Scripture today. And, and so you're going to have to be ready to go. But you know, for the first past couple of weeks, we've been in the book of Genesis, and I really didn't intend for this to turn into a series, but it just kind of happened. But uh, anyway, you know, we've been talking uh, in the past couple of weeks about things in life that set us back, things in life that can hold us up. You know, we've talked about betrayal, we've talked about temptation, we've talked about the injustices of life. We've uh, talked about plain hard times, and last week we talked about bitterness, and today I'm going to wrap all of this up as we talk about what these things can cause. Because when we are involved in any of these things, when we allow any of these things in our lives, it's holding us back. It's keeping us from moving forward, especially if we become plagued with guilt and grudges. Now, men, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, well, I can't bet, but if I could, I would be willing to bet that every man in here will say that he is a better driver than his wife. Now, you're probably saying, why does he say that? Well, your things about, the thing about husbands is this. We don't need instructions and we don't need directions when we drive, even if we're lost or, or if we're, we're wrong. But it's like the guy that, that, that said one time, he told his wife that he was a better driver than she was, especially when it was snowy and icy because he had grown up in northern Illinois and he knew how to drive on on icy roads, slick roads. But yet one day they were driving one of their sons to a party and it began to snow and, and, and the snow was sticking to the windshield and his wife was telling him, Honey, you need, need to be careful. You need to slow down. And the man said, all I did was roll my eyes at her. And about that time, he lost control of the car and he wound up in the ditch with, with you know, and they were stuck and the tires were spinning and they were having what he called a marital moment in front of the kids. Now, they were stuck. This is what I want you to see. Being momentarily stuck in the snow is one thing. But there are a lot of people that live their lives stuck by one of these things that I have before mentioned. And and it's not the snow that causes the problem, but it is the unforgiveness that is around them, that surrounds them. Nothing prevents a person from moving forward like the holding of grudges. Now, for those of you that are growing tired of hearing about Joseph 
and all the things that was involved in Joseph's life and, and, and being betrayed by his brothers and all of that in, you know, in, in these last chapters in the book of Genesis, this message today will end the story. Next week we're going to move on to something else. But in this last message, what I want to, to kind of bring this series to a climax Joseph had seen God's plan in his brother's decision that had caused him so much pain in his life. So I want to take one last look at Joseph and see what he can teach us about our own struggles in light of the grace of God. Now you remember last week we talked about Joseph and we saw Joseph's brother's come to him. This was the second trip that they had made to Egypt to find food. And you remember Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Here they had came to him once before, and this is the second time, and they did not know who they were talking to. And so he revealed himself to them, and once the brothers found out who Joseph was, and and all the power he had, and all the authority that he had, they had good reasons to be afraid and tremble in front of their brothers. And you know, they, they were now in the hands of this very powerful Egyptian leader and their guilt was undeniable. You know, they were busted and, and they knew it. They had done wrong by their brother Joseph and they thought, oh goodness gracious, you know, all of this stuff we have done to him is going to come back and haunt us. They thought that their brother, that they had done all the wrong to, was going to take harsh revenge and even the score once and for all. That's what they're thinking. But instead, they found Joseph so soft-hearted and very compassionate. Even willing to forgive them of all the crimes of the past. Everything they had done for him or to him. In other words... Joseph didn't want revenge. He wanted his family back. That's what he wanted. And so the brothers brought their father. You remember, he told them, last week we talked about this, go and get your father, get all your family, all your belongings, and come here because there's five years of famine left and I'll take care of you. I will provide for you. They have done that now. And they have lived there in Egypt under Joseph's uh, uh, protection for the last 20 years. So let's look in Genesis 50 and let's begin reading. And as I said, keep your, keep your bookmark there in Genesis 50 because we're going to be traveling to some other scriptures here. I'm going to begin reading in verse 15. Are you all there? Amen. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will pre-adventure, that word means perhaps, hate us, and will certainly requit us or may fully repay us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of 
the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brother, brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Now, in this little story that we're talking about, everything was going good for everybody until Jacob died. And that's what we just see happen in the verses that we read. So as expected, the family was going through this initial stages of mourning and they were making arrangements because Jacob was to be buried in Canaan. So they had to get all the burial arrangements made. But after the the father's passing, the brothers began to wonder if Joseph's love, everything good that he was showing them was going to turn to hate. That's what they're wondering. So, They had very good reason to feel paranoid because of all the bad things they had done to Joseph. You know, they had threw him down in a well. They had told his father that wild animals had attacked him and killed him. They had sold him into slavery. All of those awful things. But yet, in Joseph's mind, their fears were unfounded. But still they sent a message to Joseph. And that message was explaining that before he died, their father had requested, please forgive your brothers of every bad thing they have done. Forgive them of all their their transgressions, all the suffering that they caused you. Now, the Bible does not tell us that Jacob actually said that. We do not know that for sure. But what the brothers did, they used that statement to regain their brother's good graces. And then the Bible tells us that they humbled themselves by saying to Joseph, uh, we are your slave. But true to the past, what does Joseph do? He was full of grace toward them. He had truly put his past behind them. He had buried his past. In other words, Joseph's forgiveness was complete. Now, I tell you that to say this. He demonstrated how God graciously accepts us even though we don't deserve it. Have you ever thought about that? Because God forgives us when we have ignored Him or when we have rejected Him. So, so God forgives us. We should graciously forgive others. Now, I came across this little story, and I think it's really neat, and it fits so well uh, with, with this sermon today. This is a story about Lisa. Lisa had very well-behaved kids. She had her own thriving business. She lived with her husband on 50 acres, and it just looked like they, that she had the picture-perfect marriage, the picture-perfect life. But, there was one problem. And that problem was that Lisa felt anything but inner joy and satisfaction. And that is because the abuse that she had experienced as a young girl, it came back and haunted her. She hated this man that had taken advantage of her. 
and she regularly rehearsed the choice words that, that she would strike him with if she ever saw him face to face. Every day she practiced what she wanted to say. But a fatal heart attack took him and now she had to accept the fact that her well-prepared speech was never going to happen. So there was only one thing that she could do. And that one option was she had to counsel her resentment. Inwardly, inwardly, she wondered if she could do that. Inwardly, she wondered how you would do that. Now let me show you why that is so important. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 6th chapter, verse 15. Because it's a very difficult verse. And there we're going to see Jesus' words from, from Him that, that did not sugarcoat the call for us to forgive. Matthew 6, verse 15. Now I want you to look. This is right after the Lord's Prayer. This is right after Jesus' disciples had asked Him, Lord, teach us to pray. Look in verse 15. Matthew 6, 15. Y'all there? Amen? Amen. But if you forgive not a man their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Pretty to the point, don't you think? Pretty blunt. But let me say this. You see, Jesus has given us a very startling warning about forgiveness. If we refuse to forgive others, God will refuse to give us. And the obvious question is, why? Why? Well, this is the reason why. Because when we don't forgive others, we are denying our common ground as sinners in need of God's forgiveness. You see, God's forgiveness of sin is not the direct result of us forgiving others, but it is based on our realizing what forgiveness means. And what forgiveness means is it is easy to ask God to forgive us, but yet it is very difficult for us to give someone else. Which means what? We're carrying a grudge. We've got it in our mind. I want to get even. I want to get back at that sucker for what he's done to me. That's just our human nature. But you see, you go back and you read that verse in Matthew, and all of a sudden, we, we come to the realization that when we ask God to forgive us for our sins, maybe we should be asking ourselves, have I forgiven the people who wronged me? You see, to be a Christian is to mimic Jesus' way with sinners. Just as the Lord forgives others, so should we. Because the cross canceled or should have canceled us carrying any grudges. 
What I'm telling you is this. Following Jesus means trusting God with all our hearts and that believing that even as He loves and forgives us, He empowers us to do the same thing. We should be able to forgive someone. You know, and you say, well, Barton, that, that's not easy to do. Well, it's not. But I want to tell you this. Life is not a Hallmark movie. Maybe some of y'all watch them Hallmark movies and they always work out just perfect right before the credits roll at the end. Well, I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the real world, but life is not a Hallmark movie. And sometimes we just like Lisa that we talked about in our story, we have to work our way through unsolved pain. And just think about Jacob in the account, Jacob, Joseph. In the account of Joseph, the happy ending did take place. Yes, it did. But while Joseph's brothers thought they had reason to fear a delayed response from him, Joseph had no plans of revenge. He had no plans of getting even. Why? Because they were forgiven. Corey Ten Boom said this. Listen now. Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. I'm going to say that one more time. Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. All right, let's go back to Genesis. I want you to look in verses 19 and 20. Y'all there? Amen? And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you thought or intended evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Once again, what made Joseph such an exceptional person was his view of God that affected the way he saw himself. You see, Joseph was able to see the big picture. It wasn't a simple, simple thing when it came to, to, to his brother, brothers and the wrong that they had committed against him. Far more was involved in this story. You see, God intended to use the pain of Joseph's past for much higher purposes in the future. What others meant for evil, God intended to bring good from it. Some way, somehow, about the present results and the survival of many. Do you comprehend that? You see what it's talking about there. You think about this. They were in this famine. What if Joseph would not have been able to provide for his dad and all of his brothers and their families? You see how many lives could have been lost to starvation? God used the pain of Joseph's past to save all of his family. Plus their livestock. Plus everything they had would have been down the tube if, if God hadn't done that. Now understand, God brought evil... From, 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 or brought good from Joseph's evil. And, and think about this. It wasn't just 
Joseph's brothers that betrayed him. You remember Joseph had a situation with Potiphar's wife and she falsely accused him. He had a butler that neglected him. He was going through seven years or went through seven years of famine. So in these two verses, we see the climax of this story of Joseph, which is the largest portion of the book of Genesis. But now it comes to the grand finale. Now look what Joseph asked his brothers. He says, am I in the place of God? Maybe we should ask ourselves that question. Why do I say that? Well, God's going to step on our toes just a little bit here for a few minutes. And maybe we need that once a little bit. Because in our sinful nature, we make frequent attempts to sit on the throne and call the shot. In other words, we want to play God. We want to be in control. We want to do things the way we want to do things. Even though Scripture continually reminds us of God's Lordship. Turn to the 16th chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs, the 16th chapter. I want you to look in verse 9. Proverbs 16, 9. Y'all there? Amen. A man's heart deviseth or plans His way. But the Lord directeth His steps. You see, that, that, that is exactly shoots us down when we think we need to be sitting on that throne calling the shots. Let me show you something else. Go to, go to James the 4th chapter. James the 4th chapter. I want you to look into verse 13. James, James, the fourth chapter, verse 13. Amen? We got it now? Amen? Amen. James, fourth chapter, verse 13 says, Go to now, or come now, Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain or make a profit. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice or boast in your boasting or arrogance. All such rejoicing is what? Evil. Now, I know what you're sitting there thinking. And I understand perfectly. I know that it is hard to turn loose 
and let God have control of the way things go in our life. That's just the way we are. But believe me, I know from experience, I have found God to be fully trustworthy. And so are His plans. God may be telling us right now to think of a certain situation in our lives that needs to be dealt with. That, that, that we might need to release control of and simply place in His hands. If there is such a situation, I ask you to simply trust God today. Because that's what God is pleading for us to do. To just trust Him today. You know, as believers in Christ, let me ask you a question. Can can you look back on the pain in your life and see the good that God brought from it? I want you to think about that. You see, Paul reinforced that truth as he reflected on his former life and the plane that he brought on himself. You remember Paul. You know, he was Saul and then he was Paul. But you remember, he killed Christians. You remember Paul said, the things that I love are the things that I should hate, and the things that I should hate are the things that I love. Don't ask me where that is, but it's in there somewhere. But that's what Paul did. Let let me show you something. Let's go to Philippians, the, the third chapter. Because everything Paul used to cherish became worthless Once Jesus took control of his life. Third chapter of Philippians, the seventh verse. Philippians, the third chapter, the seventh verse. Y'all got it? Amen? But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung or rubbish, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What brought Joseph to a place of seeing God's hand at work was his hope in the ultimate planner. In other words, just like Paul turned control over to Jesus Christ, Joseph turned control over to God. You see, God planned to bring good out of this present situation, which was the survival of much people. Even though we live in the unknown future, we we can rest in the truth that it is not a mystery to God. Why do I say that? Because God knows the end from the beginning. God has all the information that we do not have. 
And, and, and I, want, I want you to understand here, just like Paul had this broken life, Joseph's brothers' lives were broken. They were messy. And, and Joseph was trying to bring healing and, and, and clear matters up between him and them. How? By demonstrating love and compassion to them. That's what he was trying to show them. It, it was that undeserved love, that undeserved affection that altered the courses of his brother's life. So here they are, standing in front of their brother, scared to death that he's going to get even, you know, because of the betrayal. And what do they hear their brother say? Look in verse 21 of Genesis. Y'all got it? Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you, provide for you, in other words, and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them, or to their hearts. That's what Joseph told his brothers. You know, probably every one of us here, has been done wrong by somebody. We have been hurt deeply by somebody. Or we have done somebody wrong. And what is the last thing you expect from them or they expect from you is kindness. To be treated with kindness, especially when it is undeserved, is somewhat staggering. But we have to remember that it's the God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Paul wrote that in Romans 2.4. And that wasn't a new idea when, when Paul was inspired to write it, write it down. All through the Bible, God's great love for, for His people is, is on display. And it just makes me wonder, how in the world can, can people still turn away from God and His love for them? You know, all you have to do is pick up the Bible and from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the most attractive quality of God is His love for the broken. And the greatest need of the human heart is to feel the full pardon of the Father. To know that we are accepted no matter what we have done in our lives. No matter what kind of sins we have committed. When we, we come to Him, He responds to us even as Joseph did with his brothers. And that is with compassion. Listen to me, folks. Salvation, grace, and, and new life in Christ are all wrapped up in God's love. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But I can assure you that it is true. And I can assure you it is definitely good. Here's how 
all of this directly affects us. While we as Christians would all agree that the grace of God saved us, many of us still tend to gravitate toward a life of works. You know, that's what we're driven by. We, we say things like, well, you don't read the Bible enough. Or you don't pray enough. Or you don't give enough. Or you don't serve enough. And you see, the legalism of all of it causes us to feel inadequate and to wallow in guilt and shame because we feel like we haven't done enough to be loved by God. It seems like to us, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much good we do, how hard we try to do the right thing, that we don't do enough to be loved by God. But we need to realize that that is not the message of the gospel at all. Jesus said it this way, John 8:36, "Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed." Just as we're saved by God's grace, we are sustained by God's grace, folks. That's what Paul was talking about when he wrote in Colossians 2.6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. It's grace all the way. Do you get it? It's grace all the way. Jesus' words, Jesus, Joseph's words to his brother in verse 21 reflects God's love and God's concern for us. Don't be afraid, folks. The God that saved you is the God that can heal you and it is the God that will take care of you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So what does that tell us? We can get out of bed each morning thinking the God of love, you know, greeting the God of grace who gives us another day to live in His love. So I bring this all to a close now by saying this. God's love is both merciful and gracious. Jonathan Edwards. Maybe some of y'all have heard of Jonathan Edwards. Dynamic preacher from years ago. And he was well known for a famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, with a title like that, it's no wonder people today would assume that he was cold-hearted, that he was uncaring. And nothing could be further from the truth. Because what moved Jonathan Edwards more than anything else was the love of God displayed throughout the Scriptures, just like we've been talking about. Jonathan Edwards saw the need for joy. And it was the joy of living inside of God's love that created the greatest changes within him. There are many Christians today that don't feel like a sermon is dynamic unless the preacher is stomping his feet, banging on the pulpit, and talking at the top of his lungs. Now wait a minute. Maybe we need to talk about this. But, but, 
Listen to me, folks. Even though preaching about the pains of hell, you know, it's all important. But it's more than being a hellfire damnation preacher or a Christian. It's, it, you know, it's the preaching that points to the warm heart of a forgiving Father that will draw the most people to Him. Have you ever thought about that? That's what draws people the most. Alright, it's just like, and y'all remember this, it's just like Jesus' parable about the prodigal son. Y'all remember that story? That captures our, our attention in our hearts because of the love and the forgiveness of the Father in that parable. You remember after that young son took his dad's money, went and spent it all, ruined the family name, and he came back home expecting to be treated as a servant at best. And what did his father do? His father embraced him and only wanted to rejoice because his son had come home. Our greatest need is to experience that kind of love and forgiveness from God. And when we come to Him in repentance, we can count on His mercy and His grace. Let me tell you something. God has brought you here today for a reason, to hear this sermon. And if you have never accepted Him as personal Savior, that's the most important decision anyone can make in their life. Ever. By far, the biggest decision. Because when it occurs, we can hear God saying what the Father said in the prodigal son story. When he returned home, let's celebrate. Let's have a feast. Because this son of mine was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Folks, I'm going to encourage you today. If you are holding a grudge in your life, for whatever reason it may be, It's time to let it go. It's time to put it in God's hands. Because when somebody does us wrong, even though we may say we forgive them, deep down inside, we're always thinking, man, if I ever get the chance to get even. And you see what you're doing is harboring that guilt. And we somehow think it's going to be so much better if we could make their life miserable or if their life is miserable in some way. And I can tell you, you ain't doing them any harm. All you're doing is hurting yourself. So if you need to forgive someone, forgive them today. Just let it go. Because you think of what Joseph could have done. But he didn't. Because he let God have control. So let's let God have control today. And let's not be letting garbage hold us back. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you.
for this time that we've had today to spend in Your Word, Father. Just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. All the blessings that You bestow on us, Father. We just thank You for loving And Father, we ask that You forgive us where we failed You. That You'll just help us see how we failed and try harder to do better. Father, just lay it on our hearts. If there's someone we need to forgive, Father, that we'll take that issue up with You and seek Your guidance and direction and just let go of it. And let You move and do what needs to be done. Father, I thank You for these people here today. I ask Your blessing upon each one of us, Father. I ask as we leave this place that You guide and direct us, Father. That You continue to protect us in this very challenging, very troubling time that we live in. Father, we ask that You bless us with some rain that we desperately need. We ask that You be with the folks on our prayer list, the situations on our prayer list. And Father, we just ask that Your Spirit moves and the needs will be met. That those people will just feel Your loving arms wrapped around them. So Father, thank You. Thank You for all You do. And help us always point people to You. And praise Your holy name. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.